right, go ahead and turn your Bibles, if you would, um, to First Thessalonians chapter five. I know. Yeah, no PowerPoint today. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter five. And then also find 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So find 1 Thessalonians and 1 Timothy. Just a couple pages from each other. We're going to start off here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you look here in verse number 16... Here's some very short verses, but verses that are very profound. Verse 16 says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And uh, this morning, I'm going to focus on that little bit, the three little verse, three word verse in verse number 17 pray without ceasing. We as Christians should be people of prayer. Um, Not only are we supposed to be people of the book, but we should be people of prayer as well. Um, A person should be able to identify you by your prayer life. They should know that that there is someone that spends time with God. And um, so how, how do we have this attitude or this mindset of praying without ceasing? And uh, let's go ahead and turn, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verse number one says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Before we dive in, let's go ahead and go in a word of prayer, and then we'll see the morning's message. Father, we thank you so much, again, Lord, that we can pray to you. Lord, that you have enabled us to be able to pray to you. And Father, I pray that you would bless this morning's message, Lord. I pray that you'd encourage hearts, Lord, that you'd lift us up, that you'd strengthen us, Lord. And if conviction needs to be there, Lord, that we would, um, Lord, that our hearts would be open to it. I pray, God, that, um, Lord, we won't leave here the same. That we would just, that we'd want to pray more. God, that our desire would be to to spend more time with you. And I pray, God, that you would, again, just, um, Lord, just meet with us this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As a church this month, we focused on prayer. Uh, The things that we learned really only scratch the surface of how much can be learned about prayer. I mean, you can you could probably spend a whole year every single Sunday learning about prayer. There is so much in Scripture. Um, there are so many uh, things that we can learn. I mean, uh, there's so many great examples of people in Scripture on, on how to pray and what to pray and when to pray. And I mean, honestly, there's so much that um, just a few weeks that we've had this month, it hardly dented anything. And hopefully it encourages you to, to want to learn more about prayer. 
Uh, we've had different events this month where we focused on prayer as a church. And uh, I believe it was a blessed time together. I mean, uh, hopefully it, it really uh, encouraged you to, to pray more for each other, uh, to pray for pastor, to pray for uh, the uh, just trying to reach people here in Balancholic and Cork and, and uh, the areas of where you, where you live, your neighbors, um, that we could just be more more soldiers, I guess you say, of prayer than anything else. Um, for some, this month uh, helped strengthen their prayer life. Uh, for me, that it was a, a, a huge help to me. Um, others, maybe it started your prayer life. Maybe it gave you a reason to take time out of your schedule to pray. But our prayer life should be something that we're never satisfied with. Uh, it shouldn't be something that you know we've we, we feel like we've attained to a level that we we have now arrived. Um, we should never be satisfied with our prayer life. We should always desire to 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 have a, a um, more intimate time with with God in our prayer life. We should always strive to be better at prayer as well. But if you've been having a hard time making time for prayer this month, don't stop trying. Don't give up. I mean, you know, yeah, maybe some things happened this month that, you know, you, you set in your heart saying, you know what, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going uh, to try my best to, to spend time with God. And, and, uh, and maybe you had some defeats this month. Maybe you, you weren't able to do what you really desire to do. Well, get back up. Spend some more time. Uh, try again. Um, you know, keep on trying to make time with God. You see, we've often heard Eric say, that prayer is a Christian's vital breath, haven't we? You know, we used to, you know, whenever he was talking about the uh, the Wednesday night prayer meeting, um, and you know, he'd always say, you know, we need to we need to go there and we need to pray for each other because prayer is a Christian's vital breath. Well, what does that mean? You know, when he said it, I wonder if he if he uh, if he knew what he was meaning by it. You see, the the coin or the saying was actually coined by a Scottish Moravian hymn writer. His name was uh, James Montgomery, and uh, he lived between 1771 and 1854. And uh, the, the phrase, uh, prayer is a Christian's vital breath, is actually a line in his hymn uh, that he wrote. Um, the hymn that he wrote was called, Prayer is the Soul's Sincere Desire. And I did a Google on that last night just because I wanted to know, does, is people even sing it anymore? And... Um, and I, I, I found some YouTube videos on that stuff, and it is a beautiful song. It is a really beautiful song. And um, hopefully we might be able to, to sing it as a church. It's, it, it was really good. But when we look at that, that phrase, a Christian's vital breath, what he was meaning by that statement is that just as important as breathing is to our physical body, to our physical life, uh, prayer is just as important to our spiritual life and for our soul. You see, if prayer demonstrates true spiritual life, it also is vital to the continuation of evident spiritual life. You see, if someone stops breathing physically, if you were, I mean, if you were to, to stop breathing, you would quickly grow weak and soon after die because you have to breathe. You have to have that oxygen. You have to have that breath. But, in the same way, a believer who does not pray or who prays weakly is likely to be deprived of the grace needed for a strong spiritual life and for growth. 
You see, that, that when we pray, that's like that breath of fresh air uh, uh, into your lungs and, and, uh, and, 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 and uh, strengthening you. That's what prayer does for us spiritually. Oswald Chambers said this. He said, prayer is the vital breath of the Christian. It's not the thing that makes him alive, but it's the evidence that he is alive. And um, see, a Christian ought to pray because they want to, not because they have to. We should want to pray. We should want to talk to, uh, to God, our Father. We should want to spend that time with Him. Uh, so this morning, I want to discover five benefits of prayer and why Christians should pray without ceasing. The first thing I want to share with you this morning is that prayer removes our burdens. Prayer removes our burdens. You see, when you and I pray, uh, we can share everything on our heart with God. I mean every little thing that's bothering you, everything that you're carrying. Uh, Honestly, there are some things that, you know what, those of you who are married, you can't tell your spouse. You can't tell your friends. You can't tell your children. But you can tell God. There might be some the burdens that you have on your heart that are so heavy that you can only go to God with them. Pray and, and, and give those burdens to Him. See, He wants you to cast all of your care, all of your worries, all of your fears upon Him. That's what He wants us to do when we pray. See, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. He wants you to give Him those cares those concerns, those worries, those fears. He wants you to give it to Him. See, Jesus wants to remove the yoke of the burdens of the world from us. Instead, He wants to give you His yoke and let Him be the one who carries the burdens. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, very familiar passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28 through 30. Jesus here is speaking. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He was given an illustration here of, of being in a yoke with him. A yoke was was, some, was a farming instrument that you put, you know, you'd put two oxen together and uh, or other farming animals, and uh, and when they would plow that field, they were able to do more together than just a single oxen was. And if one of the oxen was growing weaker and didn't have the strength of the other one, the other one was was able to to, to step in and do more of the work. And let the other one rest to regain its strength. And uh, and so here, Jesus is saying, get into my yoke. Let me be the one that carries these burdens. Let me be the one um, that, uh, that gives you the strength that you need to get through your life. Let me be the one. Rest in me. Rest in what I can give you. Rest in the peace that I can give you. That's what he wants us to do. See, with life today, it's easy to become burdened. I mean, uh, there is so much fear out in this world. 
so much uncertainty, so much unknown. And I mean, if we start just even considering what could happen, we live. A, we wouldn't go out our doors in the morning. We wouldn't go out the door because we, who knows what could happen, and we can live in that fear. You see, the stresses of life and our families living in the world are sometimes difficult to manage. But instead of being full of the care of the world and what will happen, entrust them to Jesus. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. A few books to the right there. Philippians chapter 4. Verse number 4. Verse number 4 is probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Philippians chapter 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful promise. Here he's saying, don't, you know, be careful for nothing. Don't put all your cares on uh, what's happening around you, situations that you're facing. Instead, give them to God. Give them to Christ. And He will give you the peace that passes understanding. He'll give you that peace. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty in this world. And if we take that focus off of that uncertainty and we give it to God, we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to be consumed by what's going to happen and what could happen. You know, I mean, being an American, I'm looking at the next couple of weeks, and I don't know what's going to happen with the election that's going to happen. Uh, there's, I, could, I could just go over all the different fears in my mind of what's going to happen to the United States if you know, either of the candidates get elected. But um, you know, there's no perfect candidate. And I could be so consumed with what's going to happen that I forget what my life is now that I'm going through here. And I could be so concerned about the fears of, 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 of my family and things back home and what they're going to have to endure um, the next few years depending on uh, which person's elected. I could be so consumed by that fear, so consumed by that worry that I, I allow it to put me into bondage to put me into fear. And I don't, need to, I don't need that in my life. God doesn't want us to live that way. Instead, I need to give those to God. I need to let Him to, to take that burden. I need to let, give that to Him. And He said, He will give you the peace that passeth all understanding. And He shall keep our hearts and our minds. I think, And I thank God for that. There's two people that I, I look at in Scripture, and there's many more, but two people came to mind when I looked at removing of a burden. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. You're going to use your Bibles this morning, so I hope you came prepared. 1 Samuel chapter 1. really want to encourage you this morning why Christians should pray. Why we need to pray. 1st person I want to share with you this morning is a woman by the name of Hannah. Verse number 1 says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathame Zotham, 
of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the, of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest not thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. And prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. How many times have you and I been that way? Just bitterness of soul. We, we, we're so discouraged. We're so depressed. We're so heartbroken. That's what Hannah was. She wanted a child so bad and it seemed like she could never get her desire. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, that thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaiden and remember me and not forget thine handmaiden but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. It came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to her house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Here she was, she poured out her heart to God. She was broken, she was bitter, and she gave her burdens to God. And God answered her prayer. Look at Psalm 42. Another person who comes to mind is King David. Psalm 42. Verse number 1 says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? 
When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them in the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy waterspouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me in my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God my rock, uh, Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, thy, mine enemy approach me. While they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquiet within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. I mean, here he's going through some heartache. People are saying, where is your God? Where is he? And he just said, you know what? I've got these burdens and he's just going to God. He knows that he is his rock. He knows that he can go and find refuge. He knows that he can give him his burdens and that God will take him away and God will restore unto him the joy um, of his salvation, the joy and the peace that he gives uh, these are just a couple of people. There's many different uh, illustrations in Scripture. But um, secondly, not only does prayer remove our burdens, but prayer should humble us. Prayer should humble us. I mean, when you stop to think about it, when you pray, you are praying to the creator of the entire universe. I mean, you are praying to the most powerful being in this world. I mean, he is a holy and pure being. You and I do not deserve to be able to get to go into God's presence. I mean, you guys just think about it. We don't deserve to be in his presence. And yet he uh, he he wants us to come. We can go be, uh, if you have been born again, we can go before God's presence because Jesus Christ has enabled us by washing us in, in his blood that he shed upon the cross of Calvary. It cost God something for you and I to be able to come to Him. And that was through, that was Jesus Christ. And we should be appreciative when we, when we pray and just remember, God, I don't deserve to pray to you, but I thank you for your Son dying for me. Amen. Dying on that cross for my sin, just so that I, I can have the hope of, of eternal life, that I can have um, that promise that you have given me, and I, that, that I can have fellowship with you. See, Psalm 95, 6 says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before God, our Maker. You see, God wants us to pray to Him like we would talk to our Father. I mean, here is the most holy, the most powerful being, and yet He wants us to talk to Him like our Father. And just like you would, you should talk to your Father, you should have respect. You should have reverence. You should honor Him and have humility when you speak to Him. You need to honor and praise God for who He is. Be thankful that He has chosen you to be His child. See, if you've done something wrong and have sinned, confess it to Him. Repent of it in your heart and clear it out of the way of your relationship with God. See, the reason why you and I find it hard to pray sometimes is that your flesh does not like to be humbled. It does not like to bow down before anybody. 
It does not like to to have uh, be in sub, um, submission to anything. It likes to be the king of your life. It likes to run your life. And when you pray, you are yielding yourself to God. You are giving God control of your life, not yourself. Your flesh also likes to be distracted from doing anything spiritual. That's why you need to remove any distractions when you take time to pray. And uh, to a degree, how your body is positioned doesn't matter compared to the position of your heart. See, a physical position does reflect your heart, but sometimes we're limited to a physical position when we pray. Uh, There's some people who physically, they can't kneel down. They can't bow down. Um, You know, kneeling and laying prostrate on the ground is a physical sign of humbling yourself and reverencing God. All throughout Scripture, you see people always kneeling or laying flat, prostrate on the ground when they pray because they were showing that God, they were, they were submitting themselves to God. But the Bible also says that kneeling and raising your hands is also a sign of reverence to God. But when we, and even when we bow our head and our, when we close our eyes, it's to show our submission and humility to God and to remove any distraction from our prayer. Um, but sometimes circumstances just don't allow you to do that when you pray. Um, a couple of times, or for example, when, when we were traveling throughout the United States, a lot of times when I would pray would be when I was driving. And it would be really bad if I decided to close my eyes and bow my head when I was driving. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we could have had some, some interesting accidents and things like that. Um, but it was just a time that I poured my heart out to God. Just spent time with Him, just talking with Him. Just... just um, you know, asking direction, asking him to guide me, different things like that. Uh, and even um, even yesterday, this this last this last week, I've been able to to walk more to the office um, just because of the nicer weather. Really, I mean, we've had a, an actual mild October. It's been really nice. And uh, and so I'm you know we live here in Balancog, so I walk down to the office, and uh, and I've been spending that time just praying, just talking with the Lord. And uh, honestly, I, I had another message prepared this for this week. And yesterday, as I was walking down the office for to get there for soul winning and things like that, God told me to preach this instead. And uh, so I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know. And so I spent yesterday afternoon preparing and, and getting ready for, for this morning. So that's one reason why I don't have a PowerPoint. Um, but, uh, you know, and just having that fellowship time. I mean, can you imagine Simpson or walking walking down the sidewalk, you know, with my head bowed and my eyes closed? First of all, I'm probably going to run into something. Um, you know, you, you just have to, it's, it's all about your heart more than anything. It's all about your heart. If you have that submission and you just have that humility in your heart, when you're humble in your heart, when you pray, it doesn't matter what position your body is in. It doesn't matter. It's all about your heart. Not only does it... Um, Remove our burdens, and it makes us humble. But prayer intercedes on the behalf of others. You see, your prayer can intercede on the behalf of other people. Therefore, it is so important that we pray for each other as a church family. We need to pray for one another. I mean, it's amazing, though, that with our prayer, there is no distance that limits the effect of prayer for someone. There's no, you know, there's no like, you know, certain mileage, you know, my prayer can maybe reach about five miles and, you know, and for someone who's within that five mile range, there's no distance. I mean, most of us in here 
we have loved ones and family who are not close by. I mean, we have people who are, you know, uh, other countries, all the way across this world. We can't be there. We can't be in their lives as much as we desperately want to be. But we can pray for them. We can be there in our, in our hearts and through prayer. This is why, you know, this is one of the big reasons why we need to keep Pastor Anita in prayer. We as a church family should be praying for Pastor Anita every single day. See, a lot can happen on the roads as they're traveling from place to place, or even just in life in general. We need to pray, we need to pray and ask God to keep them safe. We need to pray for providence for their needs and for their health. They need you to pray for them. They need you to pray for them. They need you to, to, to go before the throne of God and just ask God to put a hedge of protection around them. But we also need to pray for our missionaries and for the churches here in Ireland. You see, Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, he said, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. He's saying, pray for me that I can get opportunities to tell somebody the gospel. Pray for me that, that doors would open up, that we'd be able to, uh, to see people get saved, that lives would be changed. And that we'd be able to start uh, more churches and, and that, that God would do an amazing work. That's what we should be doing. That's why we should pray for our missionaries. Because they need us to pray for them. There's something about asking God to intercede on the behalf of someone else that is just special. Perhaps it's because it's then that we take the focus off of ourselves. And instead, we start to pray for the, um, the needs of somebody else. We take the focus off of ourselves and put the focus on somebody else. I mean, you know, most of the time we, we do pray for ourselves. That's not wrong. But I'm just saying, we should take, when we start praying for somebody else though, it's like there's just something more special about that. That we get to, to intercede on the behalf of someone else. Turn with me, if you would, real quickly to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. See, there's great power in intercessory prayer. Acts chapter 12, verse number 1. Verse 1 says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So he killed one of the apostles. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to fur further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quartinians uh, cor of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did, and he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. 
And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which he which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and passed on through one through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And we had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked on the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but she ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. It can't be Peter. There's no way that Peter could be out there. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. He's, he's dead. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he beckoned unto them with one with the hand to hold their peace declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. The reason why Peter was delivered was because there was a church praying for him that he would be released out of prison. And God answered that prayer. Not only does prayer intercede on the behalf of others, but prayer is a method of worship. Prayer is a method of worship. You see, when we pray, it develops and strengthens our relationship with God. It strengthens our um, it, just being, being with God. Psalm 141, verse 2 says, Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. You see, it's not a repetition of memorized words like a chant. Prayer is not that way. And this is what the world does. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. The world thinks that, you know, you, you have to, to talk a lot in order for God to hear you. And uh, in reality, it's the exact opposite. Sometimes you don't even know the words to say when you pray. That's okay. Sometimes you don't even have to say a word. It's all about what's on your heart. Look at verse number 7 and 8. Chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye even ask him. So instead of, just, just, just pray. Just talk to them. Just tell him what's on your heart. You don't have to have a a set prayer and a memorized prayer to in order to pray to God. God wants to hear what's on your heart. He wants to hear what's going through your life. He already knows what you're going to ask Him anyway and pray for. He just wants you to tell Him. He wants you to, 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 to have that fellowship with Him. See, the one thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach about was how to pray. And just as we learn more how to pray, we need to teach those around us how to and why we should pray. Um, you know, for, for our parents, um, it's not just the church's job to teach people how to pray. It should also be 
it's also your responsibility to teach your children how to pray. It's your responsibility to teach them how to pray, to teach them to pray, and let them pray. Allow them opportunities to pray. There should be a time that you gather your family together and pray together. If our children are not given the chance to pray at home and with, their, with you as their family, the chance of them praying outside of the home will be very slim. If they can't, under the, the protection and security of their own home, be able to pray, they're not going to pray when they're out with, in the world. They're just not going to do it. They're going to be too afraid. So your children need to see and hear you pray. They need to see that you, that you believe what you tell them. And they need to hear you pray for them. They need to hear you pray for them. Don't pray for a show, though, but sincerely and perhaps even in a private time together alone. Maybe just with just them alone, maybe before bedtime or just something where you pray together and you, you pray to God for them. That does something for your children that you just can't explain. It really does. Lastly, this morning, prayer lets us see God do the impossible. See, this this month, we have seen some of the answers to prayer. You know, we, we tried to, we put together that bulletin, the, you know, the impossible prayer list. You know, um, I've been praying over it. I know several people still have, have been praying for the people in here. And uh, we've had answers to prayer this month. And um, not every single thing in here has been answered yet but that doesn't mean it's not you know it's not going to stop or not going to end keep on praying and as uh prayers are answered mark them off highlight them put a date next to them say that they were that they were answered continue to take this i mean yes we're focusing on on prayer this month uh if you have your bulletin don't just take it and toss it in the the bin saying well that month's done and over with i can move on with my life no Take this thing. Pray for one another. Because, again, these are some burdens in here that people have. Pray for one another. I've got, I've got lists back there of, of um, churches here in Ireland. Our missionaries, they need your prayer. I've got a list back there of our TDs, the Cork County TDs. Pray for them. Our government officials, pray for them. I mean, we're supposed to be praying for those in authority. We're supposed to be... We're supposed to be interceding on their behalf. We're supposed to be praying for one another. But as we've been praying throughout here, I, I'm glad that I'm, I'm rejoicing that God has answered some of them. From what I've been informed of, we have seen people, first of all, find employment. Uh, God has blessed people with housing and wisdom in moving. Uh, we've seen uh, peace about certain health conditions that people are going through. And family members trusting Christ as their Savior. And that's just a few of them that I know of, that people have told me about. There might be some in here that I don't even know about. But God is working. And that's why we, we need to continue to pray for each other. Continue to intercede for each other because God can do the impossible. And He does the impossible. Continue to pray for one another. Look at um, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I really, I really think this is kind of the story that really kind of burdened my heart with even 
trying to bring up this the impossible prayer bulletin idea you know, that we had as discussed as an office staff. I think it was this situation, this scenario. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 5. So there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude, um, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without in the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Here he had, I think he had given up on this prayer ever being answered. He had given up. I mean, you know, Elizabeth was now past uh, the age of being able to bear children, and he thought, you know what, it's just not going to happen. I mean, it, it was something that both he and his wife desired more than anything was to be able to have a child. And it just seemed like, you know what, I guess it's not God's will. But the angel said, verse 13, thy prayer is heard. He still, God heard that prayer and it just he just was waiting on his timing to answer that. And if you look at verse number um, 37, or sorry, verse number 36. Here the angel of the Lord is, is telling Mary that uh, her, you know, that she's, that God wants to use her to, to bring the Messiah into the world. And to confirm this, he, he tells her in verse 36, and behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she shall also, con- she hath also conceived a son, in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And we know later that um, Elizabeth has her child and becomes John the Baptist. God does the impossible. Look at uh, James chapter 5, verse number 17. Another impossible thing, Elijah shut up heaven and stopped it for raining for three and a half years. James chapter 5, verse number 17. Near the, the back of your Bible there. James chapter 5, verse number 17. It says here, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years, and six months, and if you look, actually look to to First Kings chapter seventeen, verse number one. Back in the Old Testament, First Kings chapter seventeen, verse one. It's actually where the the event takes place. First Kings seventeen, verse number one. See, Ahab was a ruler 
of the northern ten tribes of Israel at the time. And Ahab and his wife Jezebel were wicked people. And they have led the nation of Israel astray. And so Elisha pops on the scene, comes out of nowhere. And uh, in verse number 1, says here, And Elisha the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, sent unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And that's exactly what happened. For three and a half years, it did not rain. And it caused a severe drought. And, um, you know, and, and God was was uh, basically bringing Israel under chastisement because they had turned away from God. They began to follow after Jezebel and Ahab and the gods that they had set up. And it was just a time of wickedness throughout the land of Israel. And God used this as a chastening. But God did the impossible by answering uh, Elijah's prayer. He he prayed, Lord, let it not rain for three and a half years. That's a long time for it not to rain. We can't go a day usually without a raining here, <laughs> you know. But for a place to go three and a half years without rain, and that's what happened because Elijah prayed. And lastly, this morning, look at John chapter eleven. John chapter eleven. We'll finish with this scripture. John chapter 11, the book of John, Gospel of John chapter 11. Look at verse number 41. Now in summary, I'm not going to read the whole chapter because it is quite lengthy. But here you have the story of uh, Lazarus dying and John coming back, or sorry, Jesus coming back and uh, speaking to Mary and Martha and and uh, they're grieving, and their hearts are broken, and and so um, he asked them to to bring him to the tomb. And uh, a story that, we're, that most of us are probably familiar with, with Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. But look at verse number forty-one. Actually, let's go back up to verse number thirty-nine. Jesus said, "Take ye away the stone." Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, "Lord, by this time he stinketh." For he hath been dead four days. And Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And we had thus had spoken, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. Now, did Jesus have the ability to raise the dead even without praying? Absolutely. But he wanted to make sure that people realized it was God that was answering his prayer that enabled Lazarus to raise it up from the dead. Yes, he had the power. He could have done it without ever praying, but he wanted to show them that prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. You see, we have a finite mind. We, you know, we think that God operates a certain way in a box, and yet God does not operate the way we think. And that's so hard for us sometimes because we, we expect God to work how we want him to work. And God says, I'll work how I want to work. 
and I'll, I'll make the situation work out for good. And sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes longer than what we think and what we can imagine. And that's when we, it's time that, like that we have to trust. Just be patient. Leave everything to God. Conclusion this morning, for a Christian, prayer is their vital breath. It should show what's within us and that we are spiritually alive. Five things that we looked at this morning. Prayer removes our burdens. When you give your burdens to God, don't go back and pick them up again and carry them with you. Leave them at the feet of Jesus. When you give God something, that burden, give it to Him and don't pick it back up. Let Him carry it. Let Him take it. Don't take it back up upon yourself. Give it to God. Prayer humbles us. Remember who you're praying to. He is your Creator. He is holy. And He is all-powerful. And just remember what it costs for us to pray to Him. That it costs the sacrifice of Christ on Calvary. Remember that and be thankful for what God has done for you. Prayer intercedes on the behalf of others. I'm thankful that there's no distance, there's no limit of how far our prayer can go, of who it can reach, who it can touch. Prayer is a method of worship. It develops and strengthens your relationship with God. And lastly this morning, prayer lets you see God do the impossible. He's not limited by what people think He can do. When you look at the Red Sea, (laughs) nobody thought the Israelites were going to be able to escape through the Red Sea. But yet God split that apart and the children of Israel went on dry ground. That's just a few of the things that we look through back throughout Scripture and say, you know what? I've got an awesome God. I've got an amazing God that He can do the impossible, things that I can't even comprehend Him doing. And yet it's nothing to Him. It's easy. And uh, think about these things as you, as you desire to, uh, to go to the Lord in prayer. I hope it encourages you to pray, to do more in prayer. Because there are so many things that, that prayer does for you and I. And uh, it should be something that we look forward to. Not something like, oh, i got to go to prayer meeting. Oh, i gotta go, I got to go spend time in prayer. No, we should look forward and say, I, I want to spend time with God this morning. I want to spend time because there's so much that God does for us through prayer. And uh, again, these are just thoughts that just scratch the surface. There's so much more we could have learned this morning, but I don't have the time to go through them all. And uh, maybe another time we'll be able to look at some more, but uh, go throughout your Bible. Look at how many times prayer is mentioned. Look at the Scripture. Just see. Learn. Study your Bible. And, and, and learn just what God can do through prayer for you. Let's go ahead and bow our heads in a word of prayer. And then we'll be finished. Father, we thank you, Lord, again for this morning. Oh, Lord, I hope, I pray, Lord, that as we looked at your word, that Lord, we can come to you in prayer. You can do so much through prayer for us, Lord, and that you've given us so much. And um, I pray, Lord, that as we look forward to each time in prayer, that we won't just see the same thing anymore when we, when we spend time with you. God, that maybe we'll just um, desire to, to, Lord, just spend more time with you throughout our days. And I pray, God, that you would, uh, Lord, just bless your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.